Trevor Riley. Trevor Riley joining us now. Utah grad assistant Trevor, good morning. Morning, guys. How you doing? Good. I think people are curious. In these changing times, what are the duties of a Utah grad assistant right now? Everything's so different. Well, with all of, all of us admins and grad assistants, it's just kind of work under your coach. So I work kind of with Fred Whittingham, so basically I'm just picking up the slack wherever he needs it. But there's not a whole lot to do besides put together uh, some clips or some quiz assignments for these guys and just stay in touch with the kids. But there's not a whole lot that uh, everybody's doing right now. So the draft is coming up, Trevor. You were part of the draft. As you approached the draft, what was your emotions? You know, I had I had mixed emotions. I knew I probably wasn't going to go early, but I didn't think I was going to be a seventh rounder. I thought I would fall somewhere between the fourth and fifth round based on what teams and my agent was saying. Um, I, I went out and played golf during the day just because I couldn't on the third day. I didn't think I was going the first two days on the third day just because I couldn't uh, – put my mind like just to watch the whole thing and I got I was getting phone calls the whole day about teams you know if I don't go drafted they want to sign me it's almost like being in high school again you have teams recruiting you then the Jets called me and uh, they're like hey you know we got a couple picks left we're thinking about taking you but if we don't we want you to come with us and I said let me just tell you if you got a couple picks left and you don't take me there's no way in hell I'm going with you guys I hung up the phone, and then about 10 minutes later, they drafted me with the last pick in their draft. Uh, and my agent called me and said, what, what happened? I said, I told him, I said, if you don't take me, I'm not, I'm not going to you guys. i got plenty of other teams I can go to as an undrafted guy. And, um, yeah, it was just kind of a crazy roller coaster up and down uh, for, the, for three days. Was your agent surprised you said that? Did he coach you uh, up a little bit? He's like, man, you probably should have consulted me on that. I said, oh, yeah, I kind of got caught up in the heat of the moment, but I really I would, I wouldn't have gone to him anyway. So, and As it turned out, they actually liked that answer. And it, mean? According to them, it made them want to draft me. This is a guy, DJ, who once threw a football over the South Stadium stands in a game, so he got caught up in the moment. He's always caught up in the moment. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you, you could, that could be said about Trevor Riley, I guess. But it, it was fun, man. The draft was, uh, it was one of those things where you hear your name on, I didn't hear on TV, but I was listening to the radio as I was coming home from golf, and you hear it, it's pretty cool that um, you know, no matter what happens, I can always say I was drafted, so it was kind of a cool thing. So what have you told the Ute players heading into the draft now, or do you not tell them anything you wait to be asked? How does that work? No, well, I mean, we've had discussions. There's a few former NFL guys on, on, on Utah staff that have been through the process. And so they come up and ask you, hey, what, you know, what, what can I expect? You know, my agents tell me this, I'm going to go between these rounds. And what you always say is, um, what do they say? Uh, oh, you never want to um, say that you're going to go higher and then go lower. So you want to over deliver. So people ask you, yeah, I'll probably be a late round guy undrafted that way if you go early it's always better than say oh yeah i'm first or second round and then you drop to the sixth or seventh it's not a good look so i always tell the guys just hey man expect to be undrafted Uh, you never know with the draft especially with this whole crazy thing going on and the lack of pro days and interviews it's going to be tough for some of our guys uh who didn't get to go to to the combine Uh, i assume it's probably going to be tougher for them to get drafted I, i hope it's not but the whole process is weird as it is, and then you throw this element into it, it becomes just a weird, it'll be a weird three days. 
One of the things we've been discussing is the level of importance on the amount of guys being drafted in a program. The Utes, this is going to be a banner year for them in terms of the number of guys drafted. You go down to the Cougars, doesn't look like they're going to have anybody drafted. How much do you think being drafted and the number of guys drafted or not drafted affects recruiting? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's huge. Imagine if you're a kid in a program walks in there and say, hey, we had eight or nine guys drafted last year. And over the last five years, we average about five or six drafted versus a program we say, hey, we have a guy drafted every four years. I mean, that's tough. Uh, that, that, that's, that's a selling point that can't be ignored. Um, it's not to say that it always works, but I know for me it would, it would hold some water. I'd be like, okay, well, this program, you know, they develop players and they NFL teams, they like the players that come out of this program. I think that's been a um, – it's kind of been that way since Coach Mack was here, really. Um, Utah guys have done well in the NFL, and, and teams like the toughness and they like the, the, the attitude and the work ethic that a lot of the players that come out of Utah, that they come to the league with. I'm a typical uh, shallow media guy and fan, so I expect instant results instantly. Uh, but it doesn't work that way. And it seems like at linebacker for the U, it's been a long, slow grind. The talent keeps improving. But it's always surprised me that high school linebackers don't look at the Ute defensive line and think, oh, I'm going to play behind those guys and I'm going to make plays and look good. And it seems like the U's getting there, but, man, it seems like it's been a long, slow haul. Yeah, it is. And, and really, it's a hard position to recruit. Defensive end is maybe the hardest one to find, in, in my opinion. Finding a high school defensive end who's ready to come in and play. And I think linebackers probably right behind that. You know, corner and DB, if you're fast and you have some skills, you can play there. Defensive line, if you, you tackle, if you're big, you know, we can plug you in there. But DNs, you know, you're kind of born with it. You kind of, kind of, you got to have that juice and you got to have that mentality and attitude, kind of like Bradley. He's just a, a natural defensive end. There's not a lot of those guys around the whole country. Um, you always see a lot of guys switching positions from receiver or tight end or, or running back, even to linebacker. You see that with defensive end, too. And, and with, at linebacker, we've done that. I mean, Devin Lloyd was a receiver and a safety, I think, in high school, and he's now physically as good a looking linebacker as you'll find around the country. Uh, Cody Barton was a safety. Chase Hansen was a quarterback. Uh, I was uh, a linebacker. They turned into a defensive end slash outside linebacker. Uh, Paul Kruger was a quarterback. So we, we've had success moving guys from different positions because it's very, very hard to find a high school linebacker who's ready to come in and play in our system, who has the right size and speed and uh, instincts to be ready to contribute. So uh, we've done a great job with Coach Scally and, and Coach Whittingham finding those guys and, and, and making them for the right, making them fit those two position groups. Talk about finding those guys, Trevor, and I can use that generally. Kyle Whittingham has made a living out of finding, quote-unquote, those guys. Because I remember you told me you were a two-star coming out of high school down there in California, and obviously you superseded and exceeded that star ranking, whatever it was. What makes him and Morgan and these guys be so good at being able to, quote, find those guys? Well, I mean, there, there are just so many examples. I mean, uh you look at a guy like Paul Solia. He he came in as an offensive lineman, the JC, highly re- recruited JC offensive lineman. It wasn't working out with him and the coach or him and the system. And Coach Quentin Gary Anderson said, "Hey, we'll take you on defense." 
plays one year defensive line gets drafted in the third or fourth round. He's just always had that knack, Coach Whit, I'm talking about, of seeing the big picture with the guys. Hey, can he run? Is he tough? Is he willing to hit? Okay, we can find a place for him. And he'll move you around until you find, you find the right spot. Uh, I don't know if it's patience or if it's just uh, a will to think we're not going to give up on this kid. And that's one of those things that he's always been good at. He, he doesn't give up on kids easy, man. If you're not working out here, we'll move you. We'll find a place for you. And so as far as recruiting goes, we always look to find guys that fit a certain mold physically. Um, sometimes you take the guys that are undersized and all that, but we try to find guys that, hey, can they run? Are, are they long? Are they tough? We'll find a place for them. So how much is that recipe being disturbed by the fact that you're missing a lot of spring practices, that the whole off season is a mess, guys can't, I mean, there's always limitations about what you can do with coaches, but players can get together, except now players can't get together. How much does this mess with that, that whole routine, that whole pattern that Kyle has built up over the years? Oh yeah, I'm sure it's, we're gonna. There's gonna be some effects, but you know the good thing is it affect, it's affecting everybody. So we're kind of in the same boat. The one difference is we got a lot of uh, young guys on defense as far as playing experience, and and some young guys on offense too. But uh, those lost reps, if we don't get them back, that's probably gonna hurt us a little bit. But we'll, those guys always find a way, man. Coach Scally and the defensive staff. Over the years, they've always found a way. We've always said, "Oh, we're graduating all these guys." You know, we just lost Chase and and Cody, and they plug in, you know, Francis and Devin, and you know, they were as good or right there near that level. So uh, they find ways to make guys get the scheme, whether it's dumbing down the scheme because we don't have the reps, or whether it's just making sure those guys get extra reps during practice. They'll find a way. But it affects everybody, man. It's not just Utah, but all these schools, especially the ones that aren't Alabama and Clemson that don't have the five-star guys, it's going to hurt those those teams. We were talking about, too, how the difference between BYU and Utah has never been greater. I don't think you can argue that. How much of the fact do you think that if you want to play in the NFL, you just have a better shot at Utah? Well, you know, it, when you start getting into those conversations, you start making people mad, and it's not always good to throw shade at your rival school. I just think that we're in a different place. You know, it's it's a little bit harder to recruit down there with the LDS and honor code thing, and obviously we have the Pac-12 going for us. So it's just we're in two different spots. I mean, BYU's put out some good players too. I mean, Kyle Van Noy, Danny Sorensen, you're talking about Super Bowl winners, uh, Ziggy On. So they've had their fair share of guys, the Kafusi brothers. It's just that we're at a different place now as far as the Pac-12 and, and obviously uh, you know our scheduling and things like that where um, I guess we're not, we're not always recruiting the same type of guy, and um, that's just the way it is right now. How are you staying in touch with the active guys and making sure they're working out, improving, whether it's watching film or having a place to work out? Because, you know, so many places and guys are from all over the place and different counties and different states have different rules. But a lot of guys just don't have access to gyms the way they would used to. They can't be on campus. What are you doing? Coach LSI has done a great job, our, our strength and conditioning coach, of putting out two kinds of workouts, one for a home workout and one for if you have access to weights in the treadmill or whatever. And so really it's on the honor code system. Uh, we're in communication with those guys four to five times a week with uh, meetings uh, when, when we have, when the NCAA has allowed us to have that time. And, uh, you know, quizzes on Google Classroom. And so we're definitely keeping in touch with the guys and checking in on them. But at the end of the day, it is an honor code system, uh, an honor system. I mean, they have to do what they say they're going to do, and we have to believe them. There's not much more we can do besides that. In terms of the NFL, 
Take a guy who is like yourself. You were at the end of the draft. Uh, I suppose you could have been a free agent. How much do you think that if you're good enough, you'll make it, or you really need to be in the right situation? Well, that's an interesting question. There are teams in the NFL where, and it's very political, they, they, they will protect their draft picks. The GM and sometimes the head coach, you know, if you start cutting your draft picks and you're not winning, it's not a good look for the for the fan base and for the rest of the league. Like, hey, this guy is incompetent as a drafter. He keeps cutting all his draft picks. But there are other teams, like New England, for example, they don't care where you're drafted. If you're out playing the second rounder, first rounder, you're going to play. And that's just the way it is. And there, it, it, there's two different types of teams out there. Obviously, some probably fall in the middle. But I've played on different staffs where it was both ways, you know. There, there was a rumor, not a rumor, there was a, in Cincinnati under the old regime, you know, they, they seemed to always keep their draft picks. They didn't sign a whole, they didn't keep a whole lot of undrafted free agent guys. And in New England, they kept a lot of them. So it really just depends on what uh, what team you get on and what the right fit is for the system and the scheme. But there's all kinds of games that go on between the front office and the and the coaching staff, and they battle over what guys to keep and what not to keep. So it, it, it's an interesting dynamic there. So that same thing can play out with veterans, and you mentioned the Patriots. What did you think of the whole uh, Tom Brady scenario and him ending up in Tampa Bay? What does it mean for the Patriots, and what does it mean for the Bucks? Well, I mean, I think Bill's always thought uh, it's better to get out a year early than a year late. <laughs> Excuse me. Not to say that Tom is going to be done in a year, but you know, to give a 42-year-old whatever, however much, much money it was, I'm sure he thought, you know, the rest of our roster needs to get better. Tom, if we're going to be able to compete with you as our quarterback. So uh, you understand that part. And then Tom obviously was probably like, I'm not going to go somewhere where they don't have weapons. In New England, they lay lack some juice on offense at the end of the season. So it was kind of a, I think it was in, what do you call it, a, a, a both sides easy breakup. Uh, I don't think there's very many hard feelings. Obviously, if Tom plays them, he's probably going to go all out and try to destroy them. But at the end of the day, it was probably a good fit for both of them to separate at this stage in in in, the, in Tom's career. So you have experience being in that New England organization. Do you have to be cold-hearted in a sense? Oh, yeah. Every day you go in there thinking you might be cut, man. It's a very, very ruthless capitalist program. Uh, it's what have you done for me lately. I remember a guy who was defensive player of the week one week. The next week he didn't play very well. And then the, the week after – in travel with the travel team so you see that kind of hey if you're not playing well you're not playing all across the board uh, and obviously there was an exception for Tom but he usually seemed to play well every week but the rest everybody else if you weren't playing well we, we got to find someone who is Trevor Riley joining us, a former Ute star now on the Ute staff up there on the hill and so uh, as you're watching all this uh, play out how much of this, uh, it's what you said earlier, like everyone's going through this. How much of the success is just going to be mental toughness right now? How much of the other stuff is going to go by the boards and we're going to see some teams crack and some teams not when we get back to playing, whenever that is? That's a great question. I think uh, with a lack of reps, I assume it's probably not going to be a make of a spring ball. If there isn't, it's going to be come down in a shortened training camp. It's going to come down to knowing the system and the coaches – making sure they don't overcomplicate things because, like you said, there's going to be a lack of of reps and lack of uh, time around the facility. So uh, a lot of it's going to be coaching, man. you got to put your guys in the right position and make sure they know what they're doing. 
I'm sure there'll be a lot of growing pains early on in the season, but uh, usually how it goes after the first, you get so much better between week one and two, and it kind of goes that way towards the end of the year. Uh, if you can keep that pattern of getting better every week, you should be okay. But like I said, you need to make sure that in the system that you're running that guys know what they're doing and they can play fast. So have you decided that uh, coaching is the career for you? As of right now, I'm enjoying it, man. It's kind of like a, a drug. It's hard to it's hard to give it up, man. It, being a part of the game and the team and the camaraderie and the locker room and the scheming and the planning, it, it's very it's a lot of fun. And uh, you get to impact young young men's lives, and I'm enjoying it. It's been it's been really really fun. We need you to uh, go back to your uh, your radio roots. You've done a little radio here. I want you to yeah. uh, settle an argument between PK and I that actually peripherally involved you. I was making the point about the um, the uh, recent quarterback developments at the U. You got a four star transfer. You got another four-star transfer. You got a verbal commitment. I know you can't talk about him by name, but you got a verbal commitment from a four-star guy. And I'm like, you, they didn't go very far when they didn't have any four-star guys. Now they're getting them. One of these quarterbacks has to pay off. You bring in a bunch of them. They can't all pay off. They're probably too close together in age. But one of them is going to pay off. And they've gotten a lot of other things right. If they get high-level quarterback play, best quarterback play ever got was this past year. That's the best quarterback play you've gotten in the Pac-12 era. And sure enough... You're eleven and one going to the conference title game, so PK Middle brings up, yeah, but Trevor was a two star, and look at all he did. And so I think there's always the place for the two star. You know, if the coaches see a guy and they think he can be a player, and he has a two star, you take him. But I think if you don't, you got to have the four stars to get where you really want to go. What portion of that do you buy? What portion do you not buy? All you got to do is look at the top four teams at the end of the year, and pretty much every year it's blue blood teams, and the blue blood teams they have usually the best recruiting classes. So, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a place for guys like me who are under the radar, but those days have kind of passed, man. With the internet and recruiting, you kind of know and find everybody. There's not a whole lot of secrets lying around out there uh, with the way the recruiting landscape is. So if we had our way, I'm sure every school would be that way. We would sign as many four- and five-stars as possible. Uh, obviously, if you take a flyer on a guy every once in a while who's got the physical tools, but he's just not there yet uh, as far as the play goes, you know those guys can pan out too. But you're better off, I think, in the, the odds taking the better players that have higher physical attributes. More often than not, those guys are going to pan out for you. And all you have to do is look at the final four each year, really the final eight, and those teams are just loaded with talent, man. So our, our, we're trying to get the best players we can every year, man. Um, uh, whether those are two-star or five-star, we're trying to find the best players. But more often than not, the four- and five-stars are going to pan out higher than the one- and two-star guys. Well, I want you to know, Trevor, in my heart, you'll always be a five-star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, PK. Appreciate, I appreciate that. For a washed-up player like myself, that, that goes a long way. Thank you. <laughs> You're a great player in your time. Yeah, it was, it was, I had a good run, man, but uh, the players, we're getting better players now than we've ever gotten. I mean, this last recruiting class on paper is the best class we've probably ever gotten in Utah. So if everything works out we, in two or three years, it should be the best uh, one of the best couple years that we've had here at Utah. Trevor, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. All right, guys. Have a good time. Trevor Riley, former Utah player, now working under Fred Whittingham, as he says. So... There you go, PK. It's all lining up. 
if everything comes together? Well, I think it will come together. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe possibly. Well, compared to last season, there'll be a little bit of a downturn. But that doesn't mean there'll be a downturn. Just compared to last season. And then I think the year after and the year after that, they amp it back up again. I mean, that's the cycle that what you what you want is in that in interim spot. You know, if you win eight or nine games in the regular season and then turn around and you're back at the 10, 11 mark. Now, now, now you got a program, man, and you are really, really in a good spot. And I anticipate that happening. I'm not sure. Well, this season is going to be so crazy anyway. So even if it was normal, I wasn't really sure because I haven't seen these quarterbacks play and they're replacing so much talent. So I anticipate a drop off, not necessarily a major, major drop off, but then you throw in this crazy year that we're living in at the time. So that really that puts it in the, out of whack for everybody. So maybe that flushes out. But yeah, I'm expecting. You know, to be decent, certainly be bowl eligible, and then you're right back contending uh, the next two years for sure. Not to say that you can't contend this year because I'm not eliminating that, but I'm just saying for the next two years beyond this season, whenever this season is, so certainly, yeah. And then you're, you're in a great spot, and you're a legitimate power in this conference. And I see no reason why the Utes aren't doing it when you listen to people like Trevor tell you about these recruiting classes that they've got coming in. And the one thing Kyle has, when he says something about a player or a class, this guy, this guy, this guy, he's got so much credibility that I believe him, and that's what they're looking at. You know, Kyle has said the same thing for so long. He's been so consistent on so many different issues. And when Trevor was giving us answers there, he gave a total Kyle Whittingham answer. It's kind of like, man, I know where he's heard that. He's heard Kyle speak for so long. He thinks the same way. He's thought about what Kyle says. And, and you know, he's got his reasons on why he's bought in. The, when, uh, and I think it was something you said to him. I can't remember who asked the question. I think it was you, but whatever. And he comes back with the answer. He's like, well... It is a problem talking about the schedule now, and it's definitely, you know, got issues and paraphrasing. But it's the same for everybody. It's like it's that bluntless like I'm not just going to I'm not going to just make stuff up out of whole cloth and lie and spin. Right. We're not going to go Lou Holtz. This three win team is the greatest team in the history of college football. I'm not going to do that. Right. It is a problem. But don't whine about it for too long because it's everybody's problem. It's a level playing field. Yeah. It's not like they're practicing at USC. It's not like they're practicing at Oregon and Washington. Stanford's not you right. know, doing some weight session as a group that everybody else isn't. Everybody's got the same issues. That was a total Kyleism right there. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Syringa Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. The draft went smoothly. It got off to a little bit of a hiccup when we first started, but other than that, it went really smooth. There were really no problems with it, so we got more comfortable with it. So 
it should be fine and go on without a glitch. I'm sure there'll be a couple glitches here and there, but actually for the first, for the first time, I thought it went pretty well. John Elway, Broncos GM, talking about the mock draft, getting the glitches out of the way, including apparently everyone needing to hit the mute function so you don't hear dogs barking and phones ringing in the background. Get the basics down. The virtual NFL draft Thursday night. And PK, the Ute coaches are going to be letting all the recruits know how many guys they had drafted. Yeah, I think if you're smart as a recruit, you would know that. But certainly that the coaches should be letting them know this is going to be a phenomenal year. And it makes sense. They've had two real good seasons. And so, obviously, if you're going to have really good seasons at the level that they play, naturally follows that you're going to have NFL talent. And particularly for Utah, it's just amazing, man, with the defensive linemen and then now in the secondary for a number of years. I mean, they've just really become a household name in those two positions, and they're going to do it again. And, and running back, too. You know, they have, they've had so many running backs. They can take a kid who's not an NFL kid, and he can rush for over 1,000 yards in the Pac-12. That's already been proven. I'm looking at you, John White. Now, obviously, Devontae Booker and then here with Moss. These two, Booker has been in the NFL. White didn't play in the NFL, a little on the small side. Booker has. Played in the CFL, though. Moss is going to. Yeah, he did play for the CFL. Yeah, that's for sure. So he made some money there. But they can just, a, a running back, like, why wouldn't you? consider going to Utah. I mean, of course you would if you're any guy, anybody who wants to play in the NFL. It's what they do. Who's the next NFL guy? I would be interested to see if they actually went a season or two without a thousand yard rusher without a guy who's going to be on the draft boards as he approaches his junior and senior year. Will we have a time? Because it's not well, will we have a time that, yes, they will have that? No, it's actually the other way around. Will we have a time where it won't be that? Because it's always that. If it doesn't happen, is it because there was a guy and he got injured and then there wasn't a guy behind him? Or do they finally have a quarterback who throws for 4,000 yards, completes 70% of the passes, and a lot of his passes are essentially long handoffs, and Kyle's like, well, if you're going to throw for 35 touchdowns and three picks – yeah, throw it all day long. What do I care? Yeah. Not happening. Dream on. <laughs> Dream on. Sing I was, it. I was going to say. <laughs> the second coming of Alex Smith, We're right? talking about Kyle Whittingham. <laughs> Nothing here. ever goes wrong anyway, so go ahead and fling it. Well, if it's not broken, you don't fix it, right? So this pattern and this formula that he has is obviously working at a very, very high level. And I know they haven't won at all. I get all that. But still, it's working. Alabama has won it all, and they have used a very similar pattern. They have had big-time running backs, big-time athletes all over the field on defense, and adequate quarterbacking, but not... Now, Clemson, that's different. Clemson's got a guy, and when he comes out, he ought to be the first pick in the draft. So, you know, Clemson's had a different recipe. Uh, Ohio State's kind of been all over the map, Uh, probably not as clear-cut as... uh, as either Clemson or Alabama as far as style. But the draft is a big deal for the colleges because they're all going out and telling 16- and 17-year-olds, we can get you to the NFL. You brought up earlier in the show Arizona State. You go to their website. I did this while you were talking about it. We were out of time, so I didn't bring it up then. But 
you know, they've put together a staff with a bunch of NFL connections. Now, everybody knows about Herm Edwards, right? Coach in the NFL, been on TV. Most people know about Marvin Lewis, the co-defensive coordinator. But you go uh, another associate head coach, Antonio Pierce, and you read his bio. And the second sentence, Pierce, a Super Bowl winning linebacker. Now, you get someone that the chief of staff for football, Nate Wainwright. Now, that's pretty anonymous. And you click on his bio. Player development for the Kansas City Chiefs. They are literally, and it's not everyone. I mean, they have, like you said, they brought in high school coaches who will provide a pipeline to some key high schools. But, man, you just can't miss the NFL influence on that staff. And you know, you know what they're going out and saying when they recruit. Look at all these guys who worked at these different jobs in the NFL who know exactly what the NFL is looking like and how to get you to the NFL. Yeah, that's why I said it was worth a shot to try to do something different. Why continue along the same path of every five years uh, or six years hiring a new coach? And he's going to be the guy. He's probably going to have a good season because they usually do have a good season here and there. But if you're looking for consistency, well, doing the same thing, man, you're getting the same results. Good season, three, four mediocre seasons. Good season, so forth and so on. So we'll see if it pays off to the level that they want. I don't know if it will. Obviously, I hope it does. But it was worth a shot. I think the premise makes sense. Whether it's translated into what they're looking for remains to be seen. But why not do it? It it was a sound plan. If you can execute it, great. Now, usually, you know, if you have a sound plan and you stick to the plan, you usually have success. We've seen that with, a, with the Jazz. And conversely, using the Sacramento Kings as an example, when you're changing plans all the time, well, what do you usually have? You usually have crap. <laughs> so <laughs> what do you want? Well, you got to have a sound plan and you got to stick with it. Well, when you look at, uh, you know, just winning the South, and I get you want to win the conference, and then the Pac-12 needs to get somebody in the playoff, and then once you're in the playoff, then, you know, you need to win it all, but, you know, one step at a time. But the Utes and the Trojans have been making the majority of the trips to the Pac-12 title game recently, but UCLA and ASU have plans. And as we bring different people on, we hear them talk about you know, how that plan is paying off and what they're building towards. Now, different people have different levels of confidence in that. But, you know, we've, uh, you know, I think, Nor- was it Norm Chow who was telling us he thinks UCLA is on the verge of doing something, that they're getting there? may not have been Norm. It may have been somebody else. And we've certainly uh, it seen. It might have been. I think it was Norm. Yeah. 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 And we've seen ASU picked routinely second or third in the South. So it's clear that a lot of people, for this coming season, so whenever, whenever it kicks off, we're seeing USC 1, and we're seeing Utah and ASU in some order, 2nd, 3rd, and UCLA 4th. And then to your point about when you don't have a plan, and everybody's looking at Arizona and Colorado and just kind of shrugging like, mm, I don't know, 5-6, I don't know where you guys are going. It's hard. You know, Colorado's been hurt because they thought they had their guy, and he took off for a lot more money to Michigan State. So now they got to start again. And it just seems like they've been starting over forever. But you look at the last uh, five Pac-12 title games, USC has been twice, Utah has been twice, and Colorado uh, was the other team that slid in there. Um, but that's one, one trip for four schools, and you got two schools who have taken four of the five trips.
Other stuff we've talked about today. Major League Baseball reportedly looking at a new three-state format for 2020. Uh, team stationed in one of three hubs, either in Florida, Arizona, or Texas. The clubs would then make use of local major and minor league or spring training facilities to train and play games. We've heard about Florida and Arizona for a while, and obviously they've got all the spring training. Texas has uh, basically the Texas League. So they got a bunch of double-A parks there. Plus, you've got the Rangers' old stadium and the Rangers' new stadium. And you got Houston's got a feel. So, you know, you're looking at multiple facilities there. Maybe a little more travel uh, than you would see. Well, a lot more travel than you'd see in Arizona. Maybe a little less than you would see in Florida, depending on how you set it up. So... Baseball's trying to figure out how to do this. And PK, you and David Locke were trading some stuff last night. You heard from him about some of the stuff MLB was looking at. <laughs> yeah, he texted me about, hey, see, I told you about that home run derby. And, you know, he was talking about playing all in Arizona and seven inning doubleheaders. I, I don't care what they do as far as uh, where they go or how they go. It would be cool to have it be in my home state in Arizona. Uh, but if they don't, I mean, it's no big deal for me. Uh, I like the seven inning doubleheaders. I don't have any problem. The home run derby, uh, I think, is ridiculous. To me, that's like taking an NBA game or a college game that goes into OT and let's take half court shots and we'll give you uh, 10 half court shots and whoever has uh, more wins. You know, that, that seems silly. I don't have a problem with if they wanted to start a runner on second or third because that's real baseball. Home run derby is not real baseball. It's it's for fun. It, it, it's something that you know on that uh, Monday night of the All Star break, nothing going on, and people pack the stadium to see it. And you have Berman with the back, back, back. Would they have Berman there? Would he would he be uh, centralized? And they call him in every night. So you announce the home run derby. Uh, we'll just broadcast it wherever it is, and and you you do it from Connecticut, and you go back, 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 back. <laughs> and you have Jessica Mendoza. Oh my gosh! I mean, are we going to have that? The home run derby? Are we going? And we have kids in the outfield. Uh, what, what's it going to be? Are we going to recreate the actual home run derby? Let's hope we have kids. I, in the I, outfield. I would just assume they start a runner on third. Have have a runner on third base if that's what you want. I'm okay with that. DJ and PK brought to you in part this morning by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, time for the feedback of the day, and it is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Question of the day, we're going to see this uh, talent gap on full display between Utah and BYU in the NFL draft as the Utes are going to have, what, probably could be five guys drafted in the first two days, and then by the time the third day is done, is it going to go to six, seven, eight, nine? Where's it going to go? And how are you supposed to win when there's that big a talent gap, when they've got that many NFL players and you don't? What has to happen? And uh, we got a bunch of Ute fans and actually quite a few Cougar fans, various versions of it's not going to happen. Move to a Power 5 conference. There are a lot of people saying that. Uh, BYU-UNLV fan says they got to completely drop the honor code. Neither you or I think that is happening. The answer is they can't catch up in football. A lot of people ready to throw in the towel. Ute fan for life. They won't. The church isn't that far away from shutting football down 
and major funding cuts. That seems kind of dramatic. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, uh, cutting it down. It doesn't seem likely. They just uh, re-signed with ESPN. They're going to cut the program. I'm not sure where that's about. Yeah, I don't know that the gap is going to be uh, erased with Utah being in the Pac-12 and BYU being independent. But I don't think you give up hope that it can be uh, the distance can be narrowed. But I think Utah, as Trevor Riley said, they're in a different place right now. And because he pays attention to BYU, that's why I asked him that question, and I thought his answer was excellent. You know, BYU's got good players. They've had good teams. But Utah's just in a better place because of their inclusion that they were able to have happen to them. Good for them. BYU doesn't have that happen, so that's the difference. And until that difference is made up, it's hard for me to see a significant difference between the two programs being able to be made up. Uh, we got more people uh, weighing in uh, that a lot of it comes down to coaching, and certainly Whittingham's got it going. Uh, Roy says, honestly, Witt's a better coach. Okay, but you've also got that built in. I just don't think you can underestimate the prestige that comes with being in a Power Five. And I think everyone thinks, you know, Urban Meyer told us once a long time ago, you can't start recruiting yet because USC hasn't picked their 25 guys. And right now there's 250 kids who think they're going to USC. And I think it kind of works the same way with Power Fives. We're going to see Mountain West kids drafted. We're going to see kids from Group of Five schools. We're going to see, we may see kids from the Biggest Guy drafted. And so there's some good players out there. But the numbers game that... um, Trevor Riley told us about, man, most of those kids are going to the Power Five, and most of those high-end kids who are going to the NFL who have the size and have the speed, and maybe they still got to learn a lot about football, but they've just got advantages. They're bigger, taller, longer, stronger, faster, and most of those kids go to the Power Five. The prestige of playing in the Power Five is going to appeal to them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Yeah, There's nothing so, more that needs to be said. Roy, That's obvious. Yeah, Roy, Roy says Witt's a better coach. Yeah, well, in the Power Five hires the better coaches. They pay him more money. So everything just keeps getting stacked in your favor. And it's not just the better head coaches. It's the better coordinators. It's the better position coaches and on down the line. So we'll, we'll see it on full display. All right, we're about out of time. Anything you missed today? Anything you want to pass along? Want to speculate on when some sports leagues might come back? You know, anything we didn't get to that you really enjoy? Uh, yeah, actually, it's never too early. 24-7 Sports has their uh, college football bowl projections for this coming season. So, <laughs> Come on now. i, I got to tell you. Does it have an asterisk next to it in case season is not played? No, no, no. Um, it's legitimate. It's got Utah in the Vegas Bowl versus Iowa. Of all the things that I think are bound to happen this year, the bowl game's going away. If, if we get a full no, slate of bowl no. games, that is the best because that means the season didn't get pushed back. If the season gets pushed back even three or four weeks, those bowl games are getting sacrificed. The bowl games literally start two weeks after the conference championship games. So if the bowl games happen, yeah. that means the season started on time. The bowl games, they're only going to happen. Can you see bowl games being played just for, well, maybe they could be played just for TV in front of nobody. Yes, I, I, yeah. yes, I yeah, absolutely. You could see that. Have you Why seen not? some of the crowds that show up for these bowl games? <laughs> but a bing, look at Yak. Rim shot. Give yourself a rim shot, Yak. I'm hey. holding out hope until there's no more hope. Yeah. 
It seems like they make the least money. They're the easiest part of the season to sacrifice. And, and when I say bowl games, I'm referring to most of them. I think they'll do whatever they can. The playoff is worth a lot of money, and even the New York Six Bowls are worth some money. So I could see those being, but man, you get past those, those bowl games and the payouts start dropping, dropping pretty quickly. There are a lot of bowl games that seem to exist because ESPN needs three hours of programming, and there's a stadium that was built with taxpayer money for the NFL. So let's slap a bowl game or two inside it. All right. We're out of time. DJ and PK. Uh, did you see anyone else? We just said Utes to Vegas. Did you have uh, anybody else going anywhere? Uh, oh, you'll love, you'll love the Los Angeles Bowl matchup. Yeah. ASU versus San Diego State. <laughs> Ooh, the DJ and PK Bowl. Yeah, because this this will be the first year where the Vegas Bowl is a bigger deal, right? Yeah, where it moves up in the pecking order. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, so they yeah, have yeah. Utes. That's probably when you say they're going to the Vegas Bowl. They probably it sounds like whoever did those projections thinks they'll finish second in the Pac-12 South. Well, I think just about every projection I've seen had them finish second. You keep saying ASU and ESPN and their power index had the Devils with six wins. I, I don't yeah. know where you're getting your information, but I've seen just about every poll I've seen as Utah's second. DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.